0: During our our, our series on the Sermon on the Mount on uh, June 9 we looked at the Beatitudes and so we looked there at at a portrait in a way of a righteous person. As we've come through the Sermon on the Mount we're, we're going to continue over the next few weeks with some individual subjects that shine the light back to those things. It's been a great series. Do you agree? And there's things there that we want to continue to pick up on at the moment so that we can shine the light on ourselves to help us in our daily walk. Who who finds their daily walk easy? No, no, put your hand up. I want to know. It's interesting, isn't it? When you talk to Christians and people... Are honest with you when people are honest then we find it hard it's not easy and the scripture at no points says that it will be and so in looking at the sermon on the mountain Jesus talking to us as individuals that this is the way that one of my disciples will live And today we're going to look at Psalm 1 because Psalm 1 is another beatitude. That's what it is. And it shines the light on how we will live if we have a relationship with God. And so that's what we're going to do today. And even last week, it might have seemed like it was out of the blue, but we we looked at baptism. But it also follows on as part of the Sermon on the Mount and the point of view of if you are one of my children, you will obey me. And obedience is, it comes right through the Sermon on the Mount. And so as part of coming to the Lord and, and having him as our Lord and Saviour, the, 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 the role of baptism plays a really important part of that. The Word of God plays a very important part on how we live our, day, live our life day by day. Where do we get our wisdom from? Oh, we just sort of hang about and think and it'll come to us, won't it, Judy? Yeah. No. No. How do we know how to live day by day? How do we know? Do we just expect the Spirit of God just to give us all wisdom? No, the Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God will enlighten. How? How? through the Word of God that has been given to us. And we count the Word of God as being so important because who is the Word of God? Yeah, that was a silly question in some ways, wasn't it? Like, who is the Word of God? The Word of God is the Bible. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is actually living and the Word of God actually came in flesh in Christ Jesus the Son of God so it is not just a book that when we bring it out in the morning on Sunday morning and we bring it to church and look really good with it and then we go home on Sunday put it back on the shelf and we know where it goes because you've got the dust either side of it and it fits right back in its place well That's not what the scripture says. That's not what the expectation is. And that's certainly not what David said to us in Psalm 1. So on June 9, we looked at the Beatitudes and we saw how a blessed person in God's eyes compares to what we say a blessed person is in the world today. How do we view a blessed person in the world today? Well, obviously they got the best car in the car park and they've got the flashiest house and they've got the best job and they've got the health and they've got, you know, there's all the things that are fairly easy to tick the boxes for what we would say, what the world would say is a blessed person and often they're the famous person who are in those magazines that we don't buy. But when we look at the scriptures and we saw what a blessed person was, it... actually didn't fit that mould at all, did it? And we saw saw that it was actually very, very different. We, We saw that they were people who would mourn because of the sin in the world. Do you fit that character? That you mourn because of the way the world is? They lament over the loss of God's rule. They hunger after the things of God. They desire mercy and justice in the world. They cry over the deaths of innocent people. They are persecuted because of their relationship with God. That's a very different view of how the world sees blessedness. Psalm 1 is a beatitude. But it's also Hebrew poetry, and I've had many people, as I've studied the Word with them, said to me, "This psalm doesn't sound like a a poem, a poem at all. Doesn't it all sound like a poem?" But you see, Hebrew poetry is very different to our own uh, English poetry. Looks at, um, at uses rhyme and meter. Da 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 da. Don't you remember all the kids at Sunday school? They'd stand up and the and the, and the rhymes that they would give, and uh, and that's how the, the now but but that's how English poetry is, but um, but Hebrew poetry relies on other characteristics for impact, using parallelism and figures of speech. So there's several several different types, and I just want to run through because this helps us in our reading. Of, of the Psalms and they're such an important part of the Scriptures. Several different types of parallel arrangement. Synonymous, the same thought of the first line is basically repeated in different words in the second line so it's, there's parallel for emphasis. Now it's antithetical, the thought of the first line is emphasised by a contrasting thought in the second line. That's part of this one today and they are often identified but with but. Synthetic, the second line explains on, um, or further develops the idea of the first line. Climactic, the second line repeats with exception the, the last lines. And emblematic, one line conveys the main point, the second line illuminates it by an image. So you see that there's a lot of repetition in the Psalms, but it does it to emphasise the points. So let's concentrate on Psalm 1, being a beatitude and and continuing our theme from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Mm, That's an interesting one. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I've heard some people say, yeah, but Garth, that was in the Old Testament. We now live in New Testament times. The stuff in the Old Testament was very much about poetry and and, uh, the law and all of that sort of stuff. But how much relevance does it really have for today? So when we look at things like that, is that something that we actually should be studying today or should we be, should we be said in the New Testament and, and, and hearing the words from the apostles? Because that's far more relevant being after the death of Christ, far more relevant to where we live today. Have you heard that? I've heard it many, many times. Well, let me just read something from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 19 and I'll reflect on Psalm 1. This I say, therefore, affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Oh, didn't we just read that? Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked? And what about verse 18? Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Oh, nor stand in the path of sinners. Verse 19, and they have become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Or sit nor sit in the seat of scoffers. You see, the scriptures don't leave stuff from the past and not repeat it as we go through it. The law of God was given right back there to Moses and it hasn't changed right through to Revelation or today. So when we go back to that first chapter in Psalms, this beatitude given to us by David, it is as relevant today as it was then. It has not changed throughout history. It was uh, re-emphasised in the New Testament by Paul and others and it's as relevant today as it ever was. And the relevance is this, that you and I can have no wisdom whatsoever without the Word of God being within our hearts, without the Word of God being the foundation for the things that we do. If I went to Chris and I asked him a, a question and he says, "Ah, oh, about life, and he says, oh, well, what I reckon, Garth, is, now how would I respond to that in comparison to going to Christians have a question about life and he said, you know, God, I read in the book of Ephesians that da, 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 da. Which time do you think I'd take more notice on? If I have a difficult question about life and I go to my neighbour who's not a Christian and he gives it to me from his experience of nine divorces, Or I go to the Word of God and he said, God hates divorce. And this is the pattern for a good husband who'll treat his wife in such a way that she will never, ever, ever want to leave him. Who would I believe? The Word of God is the foundation. The Word of God is that anchor. The Word of God is that stone that's put in the ground at the very beginning of the building that everything else is built upon, that the square is taken off and the foundation is set by. It's that Word that David loved. whose delight is in the law of God, who meditates on his law day and night. Deuteronomy 4 says, See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the, law my, as the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses speaking. So that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show you... Sorry for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. This will show your understanding and wisdom to the nations. So as Joshua was about to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, he was to have the word of God so emblazoned in his life that the people of the land that he was going to go into would see, would see it in him surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people those people will say What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great that we have such righteous decrees and laws as his body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live teach them to your children and to their children after them remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children be great that we had the word of God so saturated in us that as we went to church, went to work and people looked at us and had conversations with us and came and spoke to us over the coffee or whatever and they would say wow what wisdom has that person got But what does the scripture say here? That the wisdom was just born in them? That they went to university and did a science degree? That they're really, really, really bright people? Where did their wisdom come from? It's because they were saturated by the laws of God. It's because they lived out the word of God. It was because the word that was given to him by the most wise person that exists as in God, the creator of the universe, the one who put together our salvation plan, the one who now sits in heaven waiting for the time that he has declared to take us to be with him, he's the one that has written this down for us to study and to live by. And yet how often does that word sit on the cupboard at home and only come out for you to look good on a Sunday morning? 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed, theopneustos, from the very heart of God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I think I've rem- I I shared before that I, I was standing in the library at primary school, it was grade seven, and I was in there with Robert Stone. You probably don't know him. And he said to me one day as we were looking at a certain section of books, Lee's wondering why I was in the library. <laughs> the, I was hiding. <laughs> and, and Robert said to me, I wonder what's going to happen at the end of time. And in my understanding as a 12-year-old as a boy, I told him what my understanding was that the Bible says that Jesus is going to come and he's going to take us, those who love him, to be with him. And he will in, in his time create a new heaven and a new earth and sin will be gone. And I said this to him as a 12-year-old. And he stood there and listened to me and then he said, yeah, but I wonder what will really happen. <laughs> well, I didn't know any different and I still don't know any different. I may have developed my thoughts a little more from there but the basic truth is exactly the same. And if we don't don't base our belief, our understanding and wisdom in Scripture, then where are you going to get it? It's also how we get to know things and people. I remember um, a couple by the name of John and Pat May and uh, one lived in Western Australia and one lived in Victoria, I think. It was John in Western Australia and and Pat in Victoria and they wrote to each other, like for this side, like they wrote to each other. (laughs) They didn't do this. They didn't Skype. They didn't text. They didn't any of that. This is back in the way of, of the day of pens, and, and, um, and we know what pens do, don't we, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why we don't use them anymore. <laughs> but they wrote to each other for three years, for three years, and got to know each other. Wow. Wow. Noel, you listened to our podcasts for how long before you came to church? Over two years. So Noel knew what we believed in this church before he set foot in it. He knew what we believed. Over that two years of hearing what we preached from this word, he knew what we believed. And yet, we have this relationship with God. We have this relationship with God. And he calls us to not only pray to him, but to hear his word speaking to us. (coughs) So, the person who loves to feed on the word of God, that person, according to verse 3, is like a person Planted, sorry, so that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they, can, whatever they do prospers. Can you picture a landscape and across that landscape is a, is a broad range from the Rocky Mountains there through to the valley coming across onto to maybe a dry plain and then the greenery of the area where the stream comes down from those mountains. And there on the side of that stream is a tree and the roots are being fed constantly from that tree and there it gets everything that it needs because coming down in that stream from the mountains it also gets not only the moisture but it gets the minerals and all the goodness that come down and everything it needs to what to produce the fruit that it needs to produce as a tree." Galatians five says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Where do they come from? Are you born with those, Joy? Unfortunately, Unfortunately not. <laughs> I think there's not a person here who wouldn't repeat that very thing. Is it your natural reaction to things that happened in life, to respond in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control? Is that it? Is that your natural reaction? Who's driven on the roads lately. yeah (laughs) you know is the world getting madder sometimes the tiniest thing just sets people off doesn't it and what a contrast to what the Bible tells us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, self-control those things don't come naturally to us. But as we read the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit works within us and we give ourselves over to Him, then they're the things that He expects to be produced. And as that tree draws its goodness from that stream and all that stream that comes down from that mountain and all the minerals and the vitamins and all the things that trees get, and need, and the fruit is plump. It comes from the flower, and it just starts to grow, and then it comes out into a beautiful, plump, colored piece of fruit. That's what the Word of God does for us. We could also cross-reference this with what David says in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. When we see God working in our life, we long for more and more of it. Imagine that deer, why would it be panting? Maybe the seasons have changed and the pools have started to dry up in his landscape. And he goes and walks maybe where the pools were. And at the end of the day, he gets to where the fresh stream is. But at the end of the day, he's panting. And he sees that stream and he bends over and he just drinks from it. Maybe there's been a situation with a lion. And he ran and he dodged and he backed and, and he got away. But by the end of it, all he wanted to do was to find that cool, clear, safe place where he could drink from that fresh stream and put aside what had just happened. Or maybe it was simply going out with the herd during the day and as they foraged away high up, by the end of the day and the cool of the day, he longed just for the drink. Does that resemble anything in your life? By the end of the day where you're just over it all, and you look for the presence of God in your life. Or the enemy has been just belting you, has been chasing you down, and you just want solace in the presence of God. Or maybe seasons of changing. maybe seasons are changing. And you just need the wisdom that God gives so freely and desires for all of us. Do you know it's interesting? There's the contrast verses where we look for these things in the word of God. But the psalm goes on in verses 4 and 5 and talks about the wicked. Not so the wicked... They are like chaff. They're not anchored to that block. They're not anchored down in the word of God. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And you know, Galatians, we read from chapter 5 before and it goes on in 19 to 21. It says, the acts of the flesh, not the fruit of the spirit, contrast this from the fruit of the spirit but the acts of the flesh are obvious it says sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness, orgies and the like I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God and there's a lot of those things that can sit deep within our heart and it only takes a scratching on the surface to bring some of those things. And so you know how much we we try to live the life of the fruits of the Spirit. Sometimes the jealousy and the fits of rage just come to the surface. Sometimes the discord or the creating discord to get our own way, the selfish ambition... So many of these things are only just below the surface but it's only the word of God and and our desire to spend time with God and seeking him by his spirit to change us, to take those things completely out of the way and as we learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and love our neighbour as ourselves, that we really work at putting these things away because if we love our neighbour, if we love the Lord, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, we know the the, the damage they do, the selfish ambition. God wants us to be very, very, very different people to that. I said before and I'm sorry that... Uh, that it was when Moses was speaking to Joshua before in um, in, um, in that Deuteronomy chapter it wasn't, and I'm sorry, I, I meant to say that it was Moses speaking to the people at that point. And here in Joshua 1, God hands the leadership over the, of the Israelite nation over to Joshua, and this is what he said: "Be strong and very, co- and sorry, be strong and very courageous." Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the left or the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So how could he be strong and courageous? How could he be strong and courageous? Because he'd obeyed the word of God. And in the word of God, he remembered Moses saying to you, study it, meditate it day and night, teach it to your children, make sure it's part of your household. So Joshua could stand there, stand up and say, as for me and my house, we can, we will, we shall, we always will serve the Lord. And the only way that we can do this is that the word of God is the foundation of our lives David the man after God's own heart created a pattern for life and this was it oh how i love your lord that uh, love your law i meditate it on, i sorry i meditate on it day and night Philippians 4.8 says to us, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And where are we going to find those things? Where are we going to find those things? We're going to find them in the salvation of God. We're going to find them in the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to find them in thinking on what God has done for us to bring us into this relationship with Him. That's where we're going to find them. We're not going to find those things in the political sphere. We're not going to find them at the 6 o'clock news at night. There was a song that came out in the 70s horror movie, The 6 O'clock News. We're going to find the things that are good and uplifting and the things that bring the fruit of the Spirit through to, the, to the surface. You know, I've just uh, been working on my lawn. Mari will probably laugh now because we've been talking to her about it. Last year, I didn't maintain my lawn. This year, I'm suffering. I have these brown dead patches and I've got weeds galore coming through. And so I've been digging weeds and I've been spraying and I've been sprinkling with, uh, w- w- with a uh, product to kill the grubs and so forth that are in there eating the roots. And I've been fertilising, desperately trying to bring it back to the lawn that I desire, Chris. <laughs> I'm very partial to my patch of lawn. I don't have that synthetic stuff, Brian. But I have to work on it because I let it go. And my desire is that that lawn that I have is so healthy and so strong and it's roots down deep and it's tightly packed so that the weeds can't come through so my desire in my life as I walk day by day with God is that the fruit of the the Spirit is coming through because of my walk with God and my meditation on the things of Him because deep within me are all of those other things that were there because of my carnal nature. But if I work hard at the good things, if I work hard at what is noble, what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and what is admirable, if I work hard at the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness and self-control and if I fertilise that with the Word of God then my desire is and what I think will happen is that it will be so strong that the weeds can't come through and I would encourage you today that the Word of God which is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And as we allow it to divide us, as we allow it to open us up and, we, and, and, and allow God to take the things that are there, the things that are not right, the things of the flesh and to take them away and to replace them with the things that are good. It doesn't just happen by magic. It doesn't just happen happen because we claim Christ as saviour. It happens because we put the work in. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And as we look at your word, it doesn't so much reveal us as reveal you. For your word is your love letter to us and it reveals your nature as father, as creator. And you tell us in that of your plan for us. You tell us about your son, Jesus. You tell us about the Holy Spirit. And you reveal your plan for Christ to bring about salvation and for us to be adopted into your family and to take on a a new nature, that of Jesus. And in being adopted into your family, the Holy Spirit is... Is placed within us and is to draw us to you. Father, today as we look at this beatitude of of what it would look like if we spent more time in your word, if we meditated on it and, and learnt the scriptures the change that would take place in our lives. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to be disciplined as your children in growing to be more like Jesus every day. And as your word washes through us and over us, then the things of the old nature would gradually fade away and the new nature be strong, deeply rooted in our lives and completely take over. I pray that day by day we would be more complete as your children. In Jesus' name. Amen.